I keep everything I write in files. All my sermons, all the articles, all the memos I write, even the important letters, I just preserve them. And from time to time, I look at them. I save everything for two reasons. First, past sermons contain hundreds of hours of painstaking research that I've done over the years that I would otherwise forget. So I use this research regularly and extensively. The second reason I save this work is because preserving it allows me to track my development over the years, how, if at all, I've improved. You know, when I look back at past sermons, <laughs> it increases my respect for you. Because <laughs> honestly, some of those sermons, well, let me put it this way, you've been very polite and patient with me through the years. I date everything, because I want to know precisely what date, what week, what year I delivered these sermons. So recently, I was writing the first draft of uh, Dvar Torah, and instead of dating it 2019, I missed the two key and mistakenly punched the three key. The Dvar Torah was dated 3019. And that got me thinking about 3019. What will the world look like a thousand years from now? What spectacular inventions will completely change the way humans live? Is it even possible to imagine? A thousand years ago in the year 1019, none of the technology that we take for granted today and that directs our lives, people couldn't even imagine. It wasn't even conceivable. I'm not just talking about smartphones and computers, you know, that was developed very recently. I know that you think it was primitive man, but that was not too long ago. But in 1019, electricity was still 850 years from being used. There would be no modern plumbing, no automobiles, no air travel, no subways, no antibiotics, no anesthesia, no tall buildings for many centuries. There was no America. Well, of course, there was this landmass here, but you know what I mean. It was still almost 500 years from supposedly being discovered. A thousand years from now, when we will be long gone, it's likely that our descendants of that time, 3019, will view us the same way that we now view our ancestors from 1019. You mean they used to treat cancer with something called chemotherapy? You mean human life rarely exceeded 100 years? People actually traveled from place to place in something called a car, belching air and noise pollution into the environment? They were so primitive back then in 2019, how could people even live that way? The last that with a mixture of marvel and pity. 1019 was in the middle of what now what we call the Dark Ages. Leonardo da Vinci, the genius of the Renaissance, the precursor of the Enlightenment, was still more than 400 years from being born. 
1019 was in the middle of what historians now call the Middle Ages. The middle of what? Ostensibly, uh, there was about a thousand years of basically nothing happening, separating the Byzantine period from the modern period where Europe began to discover the ancient Greek and Roman philosophy, literature, and art. But think about that. Imagine how we would feel if generations from now people would give our era the name middle to distinguish between the greatness of a previous era and the greatness of a future era. We were the middle. There's a verse in this week's Torah portion describing Noah's emergence from the ark. After a few interesting tidbits about how he planted some vineyards and got a little drunk, the last verb, verse describes, describing Noah reads as follows. Noah lived for 350 years after the flood, and then he died. What a great verse. We have no idea what happened to Noah during those 350 years. The Bible seems to imply that nothing really important happened. Nothing was worth describing about Noah. Nothing occurred during those three and a half centuries. It was the Middle Age between the flood and Abraham. And thus, with a brief interlude of the description of the passage of the Tower of Babel, all the Torah describes is the lineage of Noah's offspring, one by one, verse after verse, until reaching Abraham, who symbolized the renaissance of the human race. One of the most powerful urges of human beings is to master time. If we can look at what came before us and give a long period of time a name, we might persuade ourselves that we have power over time. But when you type the three key instead of the two key and you really look at that date, 3019, you can appreciate the extent of our self-delusion. Our systemization of time gives us the feeling that we control time when in fact time controls us. Time is like a mighty river, a relentless torrent that like the Mississippi, just keeps on rolling along. It sweeps us up, carries us a tiny distance further down the bank, and deposits us on the shores. Like as the waves make towards the pebbled shore, so do our minutes hasten to their end, each changing place with that which goes before, in sequent toil, all forwards do contend. The ancients had a better appreciation of time than we do. The psalmist wrote, a thousand years are but as yesterday in the sight of God. Thus, while we live from day to day and from moment to moment, I know what you're thinking now. When is the service going to be over and what's for dinner? Although we live from moment to moment, in the eyes of the universe, a thousand years are but as yesterday. And so if we are to live meaningful lives, 
We must also seek to assess our existence within the ceaseless current of time. We want more out of life than he lived for another 350 years and then he died. Or she lived another 60 years and then she died. Nothing happened. Nothing important. Nothing worth noting. These were the middle years between two other events. From a Jewish perspective, while of course there is profound meaning in every breath of life, we also measure meaning by the continuum of the Jewish experience. I'm not alone. I'm part of Jewish life. I am in the flow of the Jewish people. And although we do not know and cannot conceive of what the world will look like in 3019, since I've devoted my entire professional life to the Jewish people, I can express to you my most fervent beliefs, my central convictions. There will be Jews in 3019. Why not? There were Jews in 1019. There were Jews in the year 19. There were Jews in the year 981 BCE. Those were the years of the great kings, King David, King Solomon. We still speak of them 3,000 years later and study their works. In 3019, Jews will be doing what we've always done, learning, writing, inventing, contributing, producing works and ideas that will be studied in 4019 by Jews and by others. Why not? A thousand years ago, Rabbi Isaac Alfasi, known today as the Reef, was about to write his master work, Sefer HaAlachot, that is still studied today. Alas, I fear that in 3019 there might still be anti-Semitism. Because if the past is any guide, wherever there were Jews, there were Jew haters. A thousand years ago, almost to the month, there was an earthquake in Rome, and Jews were accused of causing the earthquake and the subsequent plague, and Pope Benedict VIII ordered the beheading of 20 Jews as punishment for causing the earthquake. But even if people still hate each other in the year 3019, we will survive it. While many millions of Jews died of hate, persecution, murder, and mayhem, the Jewish people survived. We've seen the worst and have survived. God wants the Jewish people to survive. The very existence of the Jewish people testifies to the existence of God. We are an amalam, an eternal people. In the words of the prophet Jeremiah, Thus said the eternal God who established the sun for light by day, the moon and stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea into roaring waves. If these laws of nature shall ever be annulled by me, said God, only then, if the world ceases to be, would the offspring of Israel cease to be a nation before me for all time.